Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday, January the 20th uh, podcast. Uh, This is our midweek Bible study. Appreciate you joining me uh, for this time. I always look forward to being able to share a little bit of God's Word with you. Uh, I do it midweek, but you may pick it up at different times. But anytime you pick it up, I pray that uh, these studies are a blessing to you. Uh, And as we uh, gather here today and as we talk, uh, we've had a new president inaugurated. uh, So uh, a new era in our country uh, as we uh, move forward every four to eight years, uh, we go into a new new era of a new leader. Uh, And so we do need to be praying uh, for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and uh, just that whole administration and for our nation as a whole. We're commanded as uh, believers to to pray for them. Uh, And that fits well into our study because we've been uh, going over the last couple weeks, we've been studying the Lord's Prayer uh, from Matthew's Gospel, from part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. Uh, And so that'll give us some insight into how we need to be praying uh, on a regular basis for ourselves uh, and and for others as well. So again, thank you for joining me, and I look forward to uh, how God is going to lead us uh, through this time of study. If you have a Bible handy with you, Uh, Open up to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15 is the whole context of that prayer. But uh, starting today, we're going to start taking little segments of this prayer, starting in verse 9, and just looking at the different parts of this prayer and how we can learn to to pray ourselves. Uh, So let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking His guidance, as uh, then we'll jump into this study. Father, we come before you today, and I do thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom and guidance uh, that it gives to us and and teaches us about who you are and who we can be and who we are in you. And so my prayer is that as we study this prayer that uh, you gave uh, to your disciples, to those that would follow you and serve you, uh, that you gave to us today, help us, Father, to to take these words to heart. I pray that we'll learn them, uh, that we will understand them so that we can better relate to you, uh, so we can better relate to our world, uh, not only our family and friends and our uh, church and our community, but to this entire world. And Lord, uh, we need that. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance uh, as we seek to to know you and love you. So guide us in this time of study as we look at this prayer that you've given to us this day. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so kick things off uh, this afternoon. Uh, Let's go ahead and just read the whole context of that. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Uh, And we looked at verses 5 through 8 last week. Uh, We're going to really just kind of hone in on verse 9 this afternoon, uh, and then we'll go through the other verses later. But I'm going to read the whole context so we see uh, what Christ was instructing here uh, in this prayer for us. Jesus says here in verse 5, he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, and this is where we'll start our study this afternoon. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Uh, that is the context of the prayer here. And as I've said in, in, in weeks past, uh, as we think about this and study on this, uh, these are not magical words. The, the, really, Christ is giving this model prayer, giving some guidance in how we need to come before our Heavenly Father uh, if we are going to seek to know Him, to love Him, and to serve Him most fully. Uh, and so that's the context in which we, um, we read this here today. So the first question I asked myself when I was looking at this uh, is, what are some ways and what are some reasons that people come to God in prayer? Uh, oftentimes, we come to God in prayer during times of crisis. Uh, maybe it's a, a health crisis, or recently there's been some crises uh, in our world, not just the pandemic we're going through right now, but also uh, the political crisis, the financial crisis. Uh, oftentimes, when we come before God, it's at a time of need. And that's right, and that's proper. God wants us to come before Him at those times, uh, but He wants us to come to Him not just at those times, but at all times. And when we do come before Him, uh, He wants us to come before Him in a right way. And, and what this passage teaches us there in verse 9 in particular, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What He's helping us to see here is that when we come to God, we should initially be coming to him to seek his face, not his hands. And what I mean by that is we ought to come before God that, that we're just seeking to know God and to, to, to praise God and uh, to serve God. We're coming to God because not because all our resources are exhausted, not because we don't have anywhere else to go, but because he is the only place to go. Uh, and so we seek his face first. We recognize who he is and, and how he works and, uh, and, and what he does. And we'll look at that a little bit more in depth here in just a minute. Before we just come to God with our wish list or our want list or our need list, whatever it may be, uh, he says, come to me and put yourself in a right position uh, before me. Let's seek his face before we seek his hands or his action. Uh, so some of the things that we learned from this, uh, just this small little phrase here the, in, in verse 9, um, Heavenly Father, you know, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. First of all, again, remember, this is a prayer that is Christ telling his disciples, his followers, how they need to pray. So as I've said a number of times, this is not a, a magical prayer that just anybody can pray. And again, I, I've been around enough, lived long enough. Uh, you know, this, this is a go-to prayer. Uh, a lot of times in locker rooms before games, uh, or a lot of times if uh, you have some kind of a mass gathering, uh, out, usually outside of the church, that you know, you'll recite the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and again, not that those are wrong times and places to do it, but you got to ask yourself, why are we doing it here? Are we just doing it uh, in, in the hopes of somehow using these words to get God to see it things our way or do things what we want, or are we truly seeking to follow him? So when Christ said, when you pray, and even there in verses 5 through 8, he says, don't be like the hypocrites, like the Jewish religious leaders. Don't be like the Gentiles, the pagans, those that didn't know the true living God. He says, but this is how you need to pray. And the first thing we see in this is that Christ followers have a very special relationship with God. Uh, scripture teaches us that God's blessing 
goes on the righteous and the unrighteous. The rain falls on the good, and the rain falls on the bad. So there's that general revelation. There's that general blessing uh, that God gives uh, in our world here. But for those that commit themselves to follow God fully and faithfully as their Lord and Savior, that we have a special relationship. So as Christ teaches them to pray here, uh, here in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, you need to understand who I am and who you are in me. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17 speaks to this. Uh, Paul wrote uh, to the church at Rome there, and he says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Paul was talking in a little bit different context here, but he says, you have a very special relationship with God. It's not a, a relationship of slavery, although we do give ourselves fully and completely. He is our master. He is our Lord. Uh, and so we do uh, give ourselves in that degree of slavery to him as he, as he is our master. But he has adopted us as his children. And so we can come to him, our Father, our adopted Heavenly Father, our Creator Father. Uh, And so Paul goes on here uh, in Romans chapter 8, and he says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Uh, And so understanding what, what, what this is teaching us in this prayer is when we say, Our Father who art in heaven, uh, we are declaring a very special, unique relationship with our Heavenly Father, with the Creator of this world. Uh, not the same kind of relationship that, that all people can have just simply by being on this earth, but a, a committed, faithful, following relationship as being adopted as one of His. So what are some things uh, this opening part of this prayer teaches us uh, about our God? First of all, it teaches us that our God is unique. Uh, In Exodus chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, this is what we're told. It says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your father sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? Moses was uh, had been forty years in the wilderness. Uh, he'd come to he saw the burning bush. He comes over to the burning bush. God speaks to him. God is saying, "I have a special task for you." Uh, I, you know the the God of the Israelites is coming to redeem them after all these years, after four hundred years of being enslaved. He says, "I'm I'm, I'm coming." And, and Moses had to be the one to to tell them that. So he says, "Well, give me a name. <laughs> tell tell you know, who am I supposed to say is coming?" And, and this is what God says in verse fourteen. God said. To Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to this people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So God is unique. Uh, he is the I am, and that, that's what's so unique about, we've studied this before, uh, John's uh, seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself. And believe me, the religious leaders of his day understood what Jesus was saying when he said I am. Uh, they, they understood he was 
equating himself, which he was, truthfully, they didn't believe it, but he was saying, I am God. I am the creator. I am the God of Israel. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of creation. Uh, That was the claim that he was making. So God is unique. And and in this day and age, uh, in the ancient world, uh, most of the the, the people uh, had this idea that gods were localized. That, that they belong to a, a, a certain people. We see this come out in 2 Kings chapter 18 when uh, Sennacherib um, of the Assyrians you know, are attacking uh, Judah, and King Hezekiah is king at this time, and uh, the commander of the Assyrian army, when he sends a message to Hezekiah, uh, he, he claims, he says, well, you know, your Lord is the one that sent me here. Uh, that, that's why I'm going to win this battle, and I'm going to defeat you. Ultimately, we know that uh, he cannot and he does not. Uh, but then a few verses later in, in 2 Kings, Kings chapter 18, verse 33, uh, as he's speaking to all the people, uh, he says, no other gods have been able to defeat us. The Assyrians had come and defeated many other nations and many other peoples uh, on their way to Jerusalem. Uh, And so this commander of the Assyrian army is saying, listen, uh, you know, you think your God's going to do something for you? First of all, he says, you know, your God's the one that sent me here, which was false, which was not true. But but then he also says, no other gods. All these nations have their own gods, and none of them have been strong enough, powerful enough uh, to defeat us. Now, uh, he's going to find out very quickly that the one true living God, the only true God. All these other gods are little g gods. We only have one uh, God that is a capital G God, and that is the God of Israel, the God of uh, Creator God that we read about Old Testament and know throughout all of Scripture in the New Testament, the God that we worship, the one true living God. Uh, And so our God is unique. He's not localized to a certain people, a certain nation. Uh, I still remember uh, in in college when I was at Baylor, I took a mythology class and uh, enjoyed that class, but it was really confusing because uh, you had these uh, Roman gods, you had these Greek gods, and there was sometimes some overlap, but they had different names for them, and they did some different things, and so the Romans had their gods, how they viewed how the world came together, how it operated. The Greeks had their, their gods with their names, and some were kind of similar, so it got real confusing trying to figure out which were the Roman, which were the Greek, and, you know, how do you... Uh, put all these things together. So everybody thought that, you know, our people, our language, our culture has our own particular God. But again, all these were little g gods. They weren't true gods. Uh, There's only one true living God. So our God is unique. And that's what this passage tells us. Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, not in Jerusalem, not in Israel, uh, not in just a certain localized place, but you are the God that is in heaven. You are the one true creator God. So our God is unique, but not only that, but this, uh, these verses also teach us that God deserves our awe and respect. When we read throughout Scripture, uh, when we see people encountering God, there, there's always a sense of, of awe and wonder and majesty. I, I, one of the most clear examples of this was when Isaiah, uh, at a critical time in his life and his ministry, uh, comes before God, Isaiah chapter 6, uh, and, he, and he gives us his vision of, of, of God and who he is, uh, and all he can say is, you know, I am an, uh, you know, a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. You know, in other words, you know, when I see your majesty, when I see your, your, your beauty and your holy, all I can do is just bow down in awe and respect of who you are. And that's always the case when you read throughout Scripture, many examples of that. Anybody that has a glimpse of God is always in awe of God. Um, And so 
this passage teaches us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. You deserve our respect. You deserve uh, our awe, and and that's all we can do for you oftentimes. So, again, just thinking about verse 9 there, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does this passage teach us about how we're to come to God in prayer? Uh, Over the years, and we've used this many times here at Emmanuel, and I use it oftentimes in in my prayer life, um, try to use it on a regular basis, that acts acrostic. It's just A-C-T-S. A stands for adoration, C stands for confession, T stands for thanksgiving, and S stands for supplication. Uh, When we look at this Lord's Prayer, that Acts acrostic fits very well uh, with uh, the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer came first, and then some others came through and and looked at what the prayer was saying. They said, oh, well, we can make a good acrostic out of this about Acts, you know. Uh, So we pray in Acts. Well, that first uh, letter in Acts is that word A, which is adoration. And adoration is simply this. It's just praising God for who He is. Over the years, again, I found this is oftentimes most difficult. Uh, very often when I'm, when I'm leading a prayer time, uh, my first question is usually uh, along the lines of, what do we have to praise God for? Not necessarily thank God for, uh, that that's sometimes fairly simple, and it always kind of uh, goes to that angle. But how can we praise God? How can we just adore God? Uh, that word adoration means that we love Him. Uh, we love Him for who He is, um, not just for what He's done, but because He is God. And so, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. In just a moment, I'm going to go through a, a very quickly a list of some of the names of God that we have from Scripture and some names that maybe you can pray through and think through when you're, when you're first coming to God. And so, when Jesus says here, this is how you should pray, come before God, our unique God. Come before God, our God that deserves our respect and awe. Come before God uh, where you adore Him, where you show Him your love and uh, that, that adoration for you that you have for him. Because in my notes, I wrote this down, a personal relationship with God is respect combined with intimacy. We have a a profound respect for the creator of the universe, but we call him our father, my father. So there, there's that respect of that he is God. What he says, what he does is always right, is always perfect, is always what needs to be done. Uh, and and, and a, in a word, he spoke and created all things, and he still continues to sustain all things. So we respect him. He holds our life in his hand, so we respect that. But there's also an intimacy there that we can come before him personally. Uh, and we know that he'll hear us. And so we, we come before God with respect and intimacy, but then also uh, with obedience and forgiveness. Uh, and you could almost flip those. Because we're forgiven, we're obedient, but we're obedient, and, and then we ask for forgiveness. Uh, but we come before him saying, God, I confess that you are right. Uh, what you say is right is right. What you say is wrong is wrong. And when my life does not match up uh, with that, then I need to ask your forgiveness. And so we come before him in obedience uh, and seeking his forgiveness, which will then help us to become more forgiving as well. And so just in the short time that we have here together, uh, God, Christ says to his disciples, come before 
your heavenly Father with adoration. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed or or holy, sanctified be your name. Uh, so I thought it'd be helpful to maybe just go through real quickly, and, and I don't expect you to necessarily uh, remember the, all these uh, Hebrew words uh, uh, that we use here. Some will be somewhat familiar to you. Some uh, won't be. Some are easier to say. Some are a little bit more difficult to say. Uh, but, but each one speaks to a characteristic of who God is, how God works. So several months ago, uh, we went through these, uh, some of these names of God uh, and studied them in particular and how we relate to God. And so when you come before God, when you start that prayer time, don't just jump right into, uh, God, this is what I need, or God, this is what's happening, uh, but go before him and say, think about how you can adore God, our Father who art in heaven. You're holy. And what does that mean that he is holy? Well, let me give you a list here of some words. If you have a pen and paper, you can write these down. If you can't and you want to know these, uh, just ask me. I'll be more than happy to uh, to send this list to you. Uh, but we uh, pray to him as Elohim. Uh, that comes from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and it just talks about him being the powerful God. Uh, the plurality of God, that, that he is big, that he is majestic, that he is powerful uh, over all things. And so in the beginning, when there was nothing, God spoke and then came into being something, our world, what we have here today. So Elohim. Uh, the next word is the, the word Adonai, which means he is Lord. Uh, that means he has authority over our lives, that he has control over our lives, that we are his servants and what he says we do because we uh, owe our life and our allegiance to him. So Adonai, he is Lord. Uh, the next one is El Elyon. It just means God most high. That comes from Genesis chapter 14, but he is above all other gods. He is the only one true God, and we do recognize that there are little g gods, not that there is any uh, truth or validity in them, but there are some images, there are some ideas, there are some things that other people worship as gods. Uh, they are man-made, they're uh, earthly, they're not truly gods, uh, but God says, I am the God most high. I am ultimately really the only true God, uh, and so we worship him as El Elyon. Uh, another word uh, is El Shaddai. Uh, whenever I hear that word, I always think of Sandy Patty's song from uh, decades ago now, uh, but her, her song, El Shaddai, that just means almighty God. He is more powerful than any other God. Uh, I referenced just a few moments ago that Second uh, Kings chapter 18 where uh, the king from uh, Assyria was attacking uh, Israel and was telling Hezekiah, you might as well just give up. Uh, you know, I've defeated all other nations, which means I've defeated all other uh, gods that are out there. And so, you know, you're not going to be any different. Well, uh, God shows his, his mighty power. He is the almighty God. He's the El Shaddai. He's able to defeat uh, armies at, at a word, even without the, uh, the Israelites doing anything. God can do that. So he is God. Uh, he is the almighty God. Uh, and then the next word is, is Yahweh. And that's actually a compilation uh, of words, and, and the, the Jewish people wouldn't even say this word, so they, had to, uh, they just had the uh, consonants, and they put the vowels in there. Uh, but this is uh, Israel's covenant God. 
the God who made a, a covenant with Israel, uh, saying that I will be your God, you will be my people, here's how you're supposed to live, uh, here's the things you're supposed to do, here's what I will do for you uh, as you are obedient and follow me. And so God made a covenant uh, with Abraham uh, when he led him out uh, to the promised land and then uh, re- continually renewed that covenant. And ultimately, that covenant that works in us, it's a new covenant because it's not a covenant of, of written laws, it's a covenant written on our heart, it's a, God is still the same God. Um, but uh, uh, but that is that covenantal God, Yahweh, um, who commits uh, to to love us and, and as we love and serve Him. Uh, the next one is, again, I know these are all very quickly. We could do a whole study on each one of these since I have before. Uh, but uh, the next one is Jehovah Jireh, uh, and that just is the Lord provides. He is the God that gives us what we need day in and day out. Um, everything we say, Paul says to the uh Corinthians, when he's speaking to them in the uh, Agora, he says, you know, every breath you breathe is simply because God is allowing you to have that breath. Uh, and so God is the one that provides. He, he provides our, our sustenance. You know, we hardly even think about even taking a breath uh, a lot of times, unless you're having to wear a mask or something like that, then you, you know, you know you're breathing. But, um, but usually we don't even think about, you know, how many times we breathe. We don't think about our hearts and how many times they're pumping uh, every single day. Uh, but God is the one that is sustaining that. That's what Paul says, is God is giving you the very breath in your, your mouth today. So the Lord provides. Uh, the next one is Jehovah Rapha. Uh, and this is the one that it just speaks to the fact that the Lord heals. Uh, he can overcome sickness. He can overcome pain. He can overcome death itself. Uh, he's proven that throughout uh, Scripture. And the the ultimate overcoming of death was Jesus Christ uh, after the crucifixion, rising from the, the, the dead three days later uh, from the tomb, which gives us hope for eternal life. So he is the God who heals. Uh, Jehovah Nisi, uh, this is the Lord is my banner. Uh, the Lord is the one who I follow and, and I serve because he is my leader. He is the one that who guides me. Uh, the next one is Jehovah Makadesh, which is the Lord who sanctifies you. Uh, we come before God recognizing that it's not me somehow making myself better. It's not me just trying to improve myself. Uh, there's a lot of self-help preachers out there. There's a lot of health and wealth preachers out there that talk about the fact that you've just got to make yourself better. You've got to try a little harder, just buck up and work more. No, God is the one who sanctifies us. Leviticus chapter 20, verse Verse 8 is where that um, name of God comes from. But we recognize that God, I can't, nothing in me is good. What is good in me and what I can make good only comes because of you and through you. So you are the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Um, we, we live in a time of, of turmoil, and there's been plenty of times of turmoil throughout the centuries, um, but but very much it is very real today, the, the turmoil we have uh, here in our country politically, um, and I pray that that will settle and uh, we can move forward. Uh, and um, again, uh, just the pandemic is causing a lot of uh, uncertainty uh, in our world. And so uh, we we live in a world that there's not a lot of peace. There's a lot of unrest. But when we trust in God, we can say, God, you are peace. Um, When we say that word shalom, we're saying, God, peace comes from you, even in the midst of all the turmoil around us. And, And so in this world, peace is not necessarily an absence of conflict around us, um, and and contention around us, but the peace is that we have the peace of God. 
Paul tells us to pray like that. You know, you offer up your prayers to God with supplication and with thanksgiving and the peace of God, which transcends our understanding. We don't know how it works, but the peace of God comes in uh, and gives us what we need. So he is uh, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Uh, Jehovah Tisid. Tisdeneku, uh, and again, I told you some of these are really hard to pronounce, um, uh, but this one is just, the Lord is our righteousness. Uh, God is righteous. God is perfect. God is completely holy. What's said here in this passage of Scripture in uh, Matthew, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy uh, be your name. So he is the God of righteousness. Jehovah Rohi is the Lord is my shepherd. That comes from Psalm 23, that beloved Psalm. Um, the Lord is the one that provides and protects for me. He, he takes me and makes me lie down besides the still waters. He helps me get through the valley of the shadow of death, those difficult times. He is the one that's there providing. He is my shepherd. And then finally, Jehovah Shammah, and that is uh, the Lord is there. That comes from Ezekiel, and that was the promise given to the Israelites as they were uh, in Babylon, uh, in captivity. Uh, the promise at the end of uh, Ezekiel's prophecy is that uh, one day God's going to restore uh, his nation. One day he's going to restore Jerusalem. He did that. Uh, ultimately, that final perfect restoration has come through Jesus Christ. But he says uh, the name of that city will be the Lord is there. Uh, that, that, that is God's place. And Revelation speaks to that about one day there will be a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. All those things God will give to us. So the Lord is there, that great promise. So as we think about this, just these first, that first phrase in this Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We need to ask ourselves, how when I come to God in prayer, can I truly come to him with that respect and all that he deserves? How can I truly honor uh, God's name uh, in, in my prayers? What do I have to praise him for? I praise him because my, he's my healer. I praise him because he's my peace. I praise him because he is the one that sanctifies. I praise him because he is creator, because he is God. Uh, and so that's how we come before God. Everything that we have, everything that we know, Everything that we can do is dependent upon who God is. And so that very opening phrase there helps us to understand that we need to come before God in adoration, praising Him simply because He is God. And that's why we go to Him in prayer, because we can't, but He can. And so we come before Him from our, our, our greatest need to our smallest need, from the most difficult time to the most mundane time in our lives, we come to God and say, God, you are the God that provides. You are the God that heals. You are the God that brings peace. You are the God that is righteous. All those names uh, of God and so much more. So as you start your times of prayer, I encourage you to start them always off with a recognition. Don't just assume it. Don't know that God just assumes it, but go before him uh, and say, God, God, I praise you for who you are. Our Father who art in heaven, you are holy. You are righteous. Thank you for joining me today. We'll pick up on that next phrase uh, in uh, verse 10. Next week, same time, hope you can join me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we wrap up this time together. Father, I come before you and I do thank you for, uh, for who you are. And I praise you for being creator, for being sustainer, uh, for being the God who relates to us. You don't have to and yet you choose to. You help us to know you. And I pray that we truly will worship you. I pray that I will do that. 
that those words, our Father who art in heaven, will not just be something that is uh, rote and, and, and just a memorized saying, but you are truly the God of heaven. You are the God of creation. You are the one true, living, unique God uh, amongst everything in this world. And so we give you our all. Help us to do that here today. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray these things. Amen.